Hey family, this is Joshua Jones. My wife, Lindsay, and I have the honor of being the lead followers of Way Family Church right here in Edmond, Oklahoma. Thank you for taking a minute to tune in. We pray the message gives you a different perspective about Jesus, His gospel, and what living life in His kingdom is all about. Take notes, listen intently, and be blessed. Well, man, come on, just by a show of hands, how many of you guys really felt the presence of Jesus in the room, yeah? Just special, man. Sometimes, you know, as a Christian, um, it's really easy to become overly feely, but the truth is, um, when you don't feel the Lord, is He with us? Yeah, but it is good um, when He makes His presence tangible to us like that, and I just absolutely adore it when that happens, man. So worship team, what an awesome job today. Um, I'm learning to, uh, how can I say it? Just every approach to a gathering like this where we get to gather corporately, never to, um, I guess I can, the best way to say it is never to come casually. I had a friend of mine say one time, I'll never forget it. He said, casual people rarely encounter God. And I was like, wow, <laughs> what a big statement. So like you rarely encounter God when you come with a casual approach because the scripture says the diligent seeker is the one who finds him, not the seeker, right? The diligent seeker. And so I love it when our worship um, really is uh, just, it's just authentic, it's unique. I love it when, I actually love it when it goes longer than normal, but watch this. I love it when it goes shorter than normal. I've been to those churches where they thought, you know what, the longer the worship, the better, and I'm sitting in the back like, no, nah, it's not, it's not better. Not, not, that's not, it's really not better, Right? I've been to some where they've been 15-minute worship sets. And what makes a worship service not a success, but what makes it what it's meant to be when Abba's heart is full? Right? So if we worship based off the feel of the congregation, we're all going to have 20-minute worship sets. Or 30-minute, whatever that, whatever that might be. Um, and, you know, service will be 60 minutes or 62 minutes, and we're in and we're out, and we've got to get the next one in. And I'm doing my best to avoid that trap. And I'm going to just say, see law, pause common and think about that and keep right on going. But, um, but we're learning a more excellent way. Okie dokie here. If you brought your instruction manuals today, man, we're going to look at Matthew 4 again. Um, and also, maybe Ezekiel 36. I don't, we'll see where we get to. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, again, verse 19. I'll just do Matthew 4, 19. And then uh, I'll hold Ezekiel 36, maybe verse 26. Got a lot of Bible verses. I don't know if I'll get to all of them today. We'll kind of figure it out. Anybody know what we've been talking about the last, I think, three weeks? What word? What's the word? Captivated. Captivated. Why Why the church was meant to be captivated and why when you read church history, why was these followers of Jesus. They were actually called people of the way. Why were they so captivating with how they did life and, and why were things were the way they were for them? If you remember a little bit, um, something that made, that was really, really unique is that the early church, they, they were Jews in the sense that it came out of Judaism, but they, they didn't practice Judaism. Right, God, Jesus, remember this, Jesus didn't come to give them Judaism 2.0, right? Jesus didn't come to give, to make slightly better an old thing that they already had. He came to introduce something completely new to the globe, right? So what was that new thing that he 
introduced to the globe. And so it was unique because the church was birthed, I would say, in between two armpits. One, Andy Stanley says it best, between the armpit of the, armpit of the temple of the Jews, watch this, and the other one was the armpit of Rome. And it is always dangerous, watch this, when politics and religion become mingled. Rome, highly political. Jews, highly religious. The two became like this. And guess what? Small group of people that literally would have been called then a cult of their day were caught up in the middle of that, the people of the way. And certainly with the financial backing of the Jewish people and the power of their faith with the political power and the sheer strength of Rome, they are going to squelch out this new movement that started by this Jewish carpenter whose name was Jesus. It won't last long. Except now, 2,022 years later, if you go to Jerusalem, you don't find a temple there. And if you go to Rome... Well, Rome ain't today what it was back then. So this little movement started by a Jewish carpenter who really was the son of God outlived both of them. And you and I are proof today that it still exists. Come on. <laughs> on a different continent. Yet what Jesus gave birth to, this new creation is still a force in the earth, and I'm super-duper grateful for it. And if you didn't know it, we won't, none of us will be around to see it, but not on this side of eternity, but catch this. God will reconcile all things to himself the way Paul said he would. And Jesus has redeemed the whole cosmos. That's every created thing. Man, woman, boy, and girl, every blade of grass, every creature, Every angel, everything seen and unseen, he has redeemed. He will redeem ultimately at the end of all the ages, the whole cosmos. Why? Because what Jesus did worked. Here's the, here's the funny thing. It don't look like it now. I saw one of those ladies walking the street. She didn't look very redeemed. <laughs> I saw somebody passing some stuff the other night in my community. They didn't look very redeemed. But I love God because he always plays the long path. How many know that when Jesus Christ died, five seconds after he died and rose from the dead, not a lot looked very different. Five weeks after he died and rose from the dead, not a lot looked very different. Ready for this? Five years after he died and rose from the dead, not a whole lot looked very different. But fast forward though. 2,000 years down the road now. A lot looks different. I believe what he did worked. Matthew chapter 4. Let's read that. And uh, verse 19. We're still talking about captivated. And then um, we're going to go to um, back to the old covenant at Ezekiel. Matthew 4 verse 19. This is Jesus Christ calling his disciples. This was the general invitation given by the Christ to those who would follow him. Matthew 4 19. And he said, follow me and I will make you what? One more time. He said, what? He said, follow me, right? Now watch this. This is what we do. Everybody say, this is what I do. Say, I follow. 
Watch this. And this is what he does. I will what? Make you, right? He said, follow me. And then, because that's what we do. But the part of that verse that he does is he says, if you follow me, then I love this. I will make you. Now let's look at Ezekiel 36. And uh, I think it may be, uh, Kayla, is that you back there? All right. You got the, we're going to be jumping around today a little bit. Ezekiel 36. This is, man, one of those um, um, just beautiful prophecies in the Old Covenant um, that God gave to the nation of Israel. But really, talk about speaking to us right now. This is, this is pretty powerful. Ezekiel 36. Let's look at verse 25. How about that? Let's first start at verse 25 and we'll read down. Ezekiel 36, verse 25 says this. And I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be what? Clean. This is God speaking to the nation of Israel. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. They had fallen into idolatry a bit here, begin to do things that, you know, the followers of Yahweh in their day didn't do. So they had become like the other countries around them, which is why in verse 24, he says, I want to come and gather you from out from all of those other countries. Look at verse 26. I love this. What a powerful prophecy given. I will give you a new what? Now watch this. They knew nothing about what that meant. That had never been done in their day. I will give you a new heart and I will put a new what? Spirit within you. Man, if you want to lay hold to some truth, bite on that one. Listen to this. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of what? flesh watch this verse 27 and i will put my spirit within you thank you father for that word and i will cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them one more ready then you shall dwell in the land or the promise that i gave to your fathers i love this and you shall be my who people and i will be what your god 29 let's keep on going because it's all good and i will deliver you from all of your uncleanliness father thank you for your word in jesus name amen everybody say captivated do you know what it means to be captivated any men in the room know what it means to be captivated by your significant other boy but whoever just said that you're gonna get a blessing when you get home because you didn't even wait till i finish the remark Come on, Kaylin, bro. I just, I just, bow, chicka, bow, bow. It, ain't, it ain't gonna take long, bro, for you. Just, you're gonna be going home like this right here, like this. Y'all don't even know. Y'all, some of y'all forgot about that, then. You're like, I can't even do it that fast anymore. But I remember. Taste the rainbow. Just get the CD from last week. Taste the rainbow. Brother didn't even let me finish my comment. But do you seriously remember what it means, like what it feels like, rather, to be captivated? I often tell the, the story because it's true how I used to drop Lindsay off. I wasn't even down the street. She wasn't even in the house. I would call her on the phone and be like, what are you doing? She'd be like, I'm, getting, I'm going into the garage. That's what I'm doing. Um, looking at pictures. Now we're on our phone, but just looking at pictures over and over like, man, look at her face. Wow, look at her face. Somebody walk in the room, what are you doing? Nothing? Minding my business. What do you want? That's what I'm doing. That's what you, you do you, I'm doing me. Look at her face. I used to take pictures of her walking away from me. 
Then I get home and thank God for granted. I'll be like zooming up, like zoom, like wow, I'm blessed. Like wow, I'm just really, really blessed. I say, pastor don't supposed to talk like you. Better be glad you got one and talk like that. I love my own wife. Just I'm gonna say that and leave it right there. Thank you, Jesus. But I was captivated. You've seen kids become captivated. Take them to take them to Walmart. So I'm giving you twenty dollars. <laughs> So you can buy one bag of marbles with it. That's about all you're going to get. But anyway, just take them to Walmart. I'm going to give you 100 bucks. You're going to find out what it's like to be captivated really quick. Because they're going to be on the aisle going, oh, God, God. What am I going to get? My dad gives my, my kids, his grandkids, he gives them 100 bucks each for their birthday. He usually gives them 100, maybe 150 bucks for Christmas. And to them, they got a million dollars. But I love taking them to the store just to watch them. I'm like, that's, that's what it's like to be captivated. They're so into what they're looking for. The early church was so captivating. If you don't read early church history, you need to start reading early church history. If you don't read the Bible in the New Testament, like read from the book of Acts on and and just watch the force of love and the difference makers that the early church was on the landscape of their day. It's it's, it's just mind-boggling to me when I read it. And it's promises and prophecies like this one of a new heart in my perspective. Now, you can preach, you could take a thought like captivated and teach for the next year about things that, you know, make being a follower of Jesus captivated. But this is one that makes us different. And I want you to catch this as we delve into it a little bit. Listen to the promise of Jesus, well, or really the, the invitation of Jesus to everyone who follows him. And this is the same today for us as it was for them. You and I have been given an invitation to follow Jesus. It doesn't necessarily mean for us, come walk behind me because I don't see him that way. Not like they did. To them, it was you come and follow me. He was a rabbi, a teacher of their day. They understood that invitation. Follow me. Come and do life for me. Literally, some of them left their businesses. Some of them left their families. And for the next three to three to three and a half years, they slept near Jesus. They ate beside Jesus. They climbed mountains with Jesus. They got in boats and rode across seas with Jesus. Some of them ran out of cities with Jesus. They did miracles with Jesus, right? They cast out demons with Jesus. They raised the dead with Jesus. They upset people with Jesus. They had questions for Jesus. Jesus would do things they didn't even understand, but it was all part of their following. And hidden inside of their following was their making. I said, hidden inside of their following Jesus was their making. He didn't say, come and stand here and I'll make you. He didn't even say, come and say a prayer and you'll be made. You know what he said? He said, you come and follow me, Ben Birmingham. Come and do life with me. Mike Lacey, come and follow me, fully give yourself to me and be committed to this journey, Katie Carr. And in so doing, I'm going to make you into something that you could have never made yourself into. 
And because of that call, you can have women in the Bible that we would have called whores of our day, harlots of our day, prostitutes of our day. And Jesus took prostitutes because they followed him and he made them to be preachers of righteousness. Which, by the way, let me put this out there. All of the disciples of Jesus were really businessmen. None of them did he find at a seminary. By the way, Jesus was a businessman. God could have put his son in anybody's house on the planet. I'm, I'm thinking he's going to go to the high priest and say, thou shalt bear my son. He went to a carpenter. Like, what? Jesus was a businessman. There's something about being in business that's very, very important. And so this businessman goes and calls other people and he says, come and follow me. And as you do that, you're going to find that, guess what? I am shaping your life. Jesus, does anybody know what it feels like for him to shape your life? Like legitimately. I was chasing this girl in high school. I was raised in church, but I was chasing this girl in high school. And I pursued her into her church. Her church was so dead, like, mighty goodness. Like, I know there's no such thing as a dead church, but you get what I say when I say it. There wasn't nothing going on. Like, I was there because she was there. But it was in that environment that really that's like one of the first times I can remember me giving my life to Jesus. The truth is, as a young, young boy, I can remember my heart becoming strangely warm in church. But I didn't know what that meant. But even then, he was wooing me. But it was in that 2001, on May 5th, 2001, in East Lawrenburg, North Carolina, that I remember saying, from this point on, I'm going to begin to follow Jesus. What was I saying? I'm going to, based off the truth of the whole of this book, I'm going to take these truths and these promises and these commands, and this example of the old and the new, and I'm going to begin to follow you. And the first thing I quit doing was having sex. Can I say that and you be okay with it? (laughs) Pastor God. The first thing I, I quit doing was that. The second thing I quit doing was cussing. I could, I could, man, I was a good cusser. Now, I'm talking about like, boy, I could put it in, I could, you know, but I, I would use cuss words where it wasn't popular. Like, I would just make up a new variation of profanity. Bow! Like, I, had, I just had a filthy mouth. I'm actually quite embarrassed of how bad my, my mouth was back then. SOBs and FUs were normal if you were around me and the people that I hung out with because I was ignorant and didn't know any better. But... Never get upset with sinners who sin. It's like getting upset for a dog for acting like a dog. That's his nature. Why am I going to get upset with my dog? His name's Theo, short for theology. He's a great dog. (laughs) Speaks fluent Greek in dog. It's amazing. But Theo, why would I get upset? Why would you, Theo, why are you acting like a dog? Man, be be a cat. Do something different. He's just going to look at me going. I don't get upset with sinners who sin because that's what sinners do. What I do get bothered by, though, are saved people who act like sinners. And I'm, some people say, well, but if they were really saved, they wouldn't do that. Not true. 
It's just proof that they got saved. They had a born-again experience, if you want to go that way with it. They had a born-again experience, but they didn't follow. You, you started the journey, but you didn't follow. The rabbi kept going, but you stayed right there. That's why Jesus didn't say, come say a prayer right here, and everything will be different. I'm telling you, you can say, if you want to call it the sinner's prayer, you can follow the Romans road or the Edmund road. And nothing in your life changed if you and I together don't follow Jesus. Like, there are some things, guys, you know, there are universal convictions, if, if you never read in the Bible, one of the great ten, thou shalt not kill, something in you will let you know it's wrong if I pick up a knife and want to stab my neighbor with it. And I never heard a sermon about that. Right? It's wrong for me to go to my neighbor's house and try to sleep with his wife. Something in me tells me that's wrong. It's wrong for me to walk in a restaurant, see the guy, you know, maybe the, the waiter puts down food for a person. They're not there yet. What if I just go take that plate of food and walk off with it. Is that right or is that wrong? Without never going to church, something in you will let you know that that's, that's wrong. There are universal truths, universal convictions that we all have on our life, but there are some things you don't know to be true until you pick up this book and begin to do life in the way that Jesus instructed us to. And there are some things, man, it's so obvious to me. If I want to really, if I want my life to be as captivating as the man who called us, there's just some things we got to understand. We, we can't be doing some stuff. We can't be doing some stuff. So these disciples, some were fishermen. Some were involved in politics. Bless their heart, Jesus. <laughs> right? They were rough and tough men. He said, come and follow me. And for the next three and a half years, he took what in their day would have been called their yoke, which was his teaching, and he was putting his yoke upon them, Jason. That's why Jesus said, all you who labor and are heavy laden, you're wore out by the law. The old covenant is eating your lunch. And it does. Come unto me. Take my yoke, my teaching upon you. And you're going to find out something. My yoke is what? Easy. And my burden is what? Light. The yoke of the old covenant was not easy, nor was it meant to be, because it showed us how messed up we are. Man, I read some stuff in the Bible, it's like a mirror, and I'm like, ooh, who, can, who in the world could do that? I could never do that. You know, the scripture talks about how you look in the Word, and it's like looking into a mirror. Don't get upset with the mirror if you don't like what you see. And I'm like, <laughs> when I read this, I'm like, I am a mess. Thank you, Jesus. You gave me the hope of becoming new. So Jesus says, follow me, and I'm going to make you. What did that look like? For the next three and a half years, these men physically followed Jesus. Now, they were living upon what the scripture would call the old covenant. Jesus was actually an old covenant figure introducing them into a new one. And they watched a man living under an old covenant operating in the beauty of the new that he was going to start with them. And it was things like this, like finding a prostitute. We all know what the law says. Everybody, go get your rocks. Except Jesus comes and he intervenes and he teaches the disciples something different and he's tweaking how they think. 
You actually think it's God's will for you to pick up rocks and bash people's heads in? Let me tweak how you think here now. He would walk up to people and he would say, it's been said to you, quoting from the old covenant, you don't, don't talk about Brother Moses now. You don't talk about Brother Moses. Moses was a great deliverer. But Jesus would say, Moses said this to you, didn't he? Yes, he did. But now I'm saying to you. And he was adjusting how they thought. And he did that for the span of three and a half years. I know that you guys don't hang out with lepers because that's the pun of the old covenant law, right? Rightly so, because it'll get you sick. But let me tell you the beauty of the new covenant. Watch me. And Jesus would walk up to lepers, and it's a really bad translation. But the, if you actually look up that word where it says he touched them, it literally means he embraced them. He, he brought them to himself. And he would do that to lepers. And the leprosy wouldn't get on Jesus but what was on Jesus would get on them. And leprosy would be evicted righteously from their body. And he was showing, showing them, look, how you treat people matters. Watch how I treat people so you can know how to treat people. Watch how I view the scriptures so you can now know how to view these scriptures. And after three and a half years of following Jesus, their minds have begun to get transformed. So much so, that they were really being made into new men. Watch this. The world will try to make you from the outside in, but God by his spirit wants to transform you from the inside out. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Something about this faith thing that we have, this following of Jesus. The One of the things that's captivating about it is it makes you from the inside out. It makes you new from the inside out. I know what it's like to buy new clothes, to get a haircut, to look new completely, to take a shower, but still feel trashed on the inside. Come on. In other words, I know what it's like to look the part, but not be the part. Remember, as beautiful as the old covenant was, this is why I love the, this is why I love the Bible, man. The Bible's amazing. It was all external. It, it, it affected the externals of how you did life. But the promise of Jesus, the promise from Ezekiel, and even those from Jeremiah and even other prophets promised the day coming that you and I would not just have to try to do good based off things that we change on the externals of our life. That you and I, the day would come where God's law would not just be written on a stony tablet but he would write it upon our hearts this is the beauty of the gospel so this is powerful to me God comes and he says Joshua from the inside out I'm going to remake you and it's called watch this new birth remember John chapter 3 John chapter 3 verse 1 Jesus has a conversation with a gentleman by the name of Nicodemus who was the ruling teacher in Israel And Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night, remember, because he couldn't come by day because he would have lost his position. He would have got kicked out of the synagogue, lost all of his fame that he built up from his teaching career. So he sneaks to Jesus by night when nobody's around Ben, and he says, there's something different about you, carpenter. First of all, you from Nazareth. Don't nobody good come from Nazareth. There's something different about you, carpenter. You're opening blind people's eyes. I don't know. There ain't many prophets in the, old, in the old covenant who've done that. There's something different about you. You're also, you're making dead people come back to life. And you're teaching stuff about this thing you call the kingdom. And it, it's not settling with, well with me. I can't put my hand around it essentially. But there's something different about you. He didn't even know what question to ask, Taylor. But Jesus looks at him and he says this in John chapter 3. 
He says, if you want to enter the kingdom of God, he says, you have to be born again. Best translation, the NIV catches it. He says, you must be born from above. And then he says, that which is born of a fleshly birth is fleshly. When you have a natural baby, it is a physical birth. It is real. You can see it. And then he says this. Nicodemus, you understand that? I can see Nicodemus going, I do. And then he says, but that which is born of spirit, pneuma, it is spirit birth. You can't see it, but yet it's as real as a natural birth. Nicodemus' wheels are turning. This is something, Nicodemus, that happens on the inside. It's your spiritual birth. How many know you've had one of those? I hope you have. You've had one of those. You, you put your faith in Jesus and something that he really completed before the foundations of the world. The reality of it comes alive in you. And uh, I've had a spiritual birth. And now what? The following starts. The following starts. He says, Nicodemus, I think it's John 3, 8. He says, don't marvel. Don't be taken back when I tell you. You must be born again. He says, the wind blows where it wants to. Then he says this, you don't know where the wind's coming from, nor where the wind's going to. And then he says this, so are they who were born of the wind. He said, as unpredictable as the blowing of the wind is. He says, that's how unpredictable the moving of my spirit's going to be upon people. And he says, that's how unpredictable you are supposed to be because you're supposed to be born of the wind, born of the spirit of God. And Nicodemus is going, I don't understand. And then Jesus says something. I'm like, Jesus, you just said way too much stuff sometimes. He was like, Nicodemus, he said, if you're having trouble believing these earthly revelations, how can I tell you heavenly ones? I'm thinking, nobody on the planet have ever heard nobody say anything. You calling that an earthly revelation? And then he says, you're the lead teacher of Israel, and you don't understand this. And Nicodemus is going, no, you told me to crawl back up in my mom and be born. I'm having a hard time with that one. And you know she, oh, we, we got problems. But he was talking about a life given to those who would put their faith in him. I remember... Mostly adults in the room. <laughs> I remember the first time when I tried to go back and do things after really having a born from above experience with a young lady that I was with. And I'm thinking, what, what, what am I feeling? I've never felt this before. But I've been born from above but I was trying to go back and live as if I was still born from beneath only. I had received the life of Christ, but now I was trying to go back as if I had only lived in Adam. And the Spirit of God in me was letting me know, that's not right. That's not right for you, Josh. That's not right. If you'll let him, he will address you in how you speak to your spouse. Let me tell you how I know. And it's quiet in this Baptist church this morning. Ain't nobody saying anything. Y'all were getting blessed when I was talking about born from above. Now you're quiet on me. It's funny how the Spirit of God in you, it's an inside job, man. Like he, He'll challenge you in some very unique ways. It doesn't mean that everything I was doing before I received the life of Christ was sin. 
But once I start following him, the Holy Spirit in me that's doing this inside work will let me know. It doesn't have to be sin, but it's just not healthy for you. Stop doing that. I'm telling you, conviction is a gift from heaven. Let me tell you, get some, 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 some my own experience for you. I started doing things, Pastor Ken, that I knew I had no business doing. And it's almost like the Spirit of God in me would be like, ah, he'd pinch your heart, right? Whatever you want to call it. He would just nudge me. I kept on doing it, kept on doing it, kept on doing it. And the more I did it, I put layers on my heart, but he's still there pinching it. But it didn't feel the way it used to feel because I just kept on doing it and doing it. And I'm putting more layers. And he's still, he's still trying to, that's not what you, and I'm just adding more layers onto it and more layers on it. And I'm sure the Holy Spirit's still there, but I don't feel nothing anymore. And it is a dangerous place to be in life. When you know you are doing things you have no business doing, but you cannot feel the Spirit of God saying, don't do that. And you, let me say me, I ended up telling myself, this ain't even sin anymore because I don't even feel bad for doing it. But I'm telling you, but I remember getting alone one time in a meeting and my heart getting rent in the back of the room in the corner. And he said, Joshua, that never quit being sin to me. You layered your heart. You layered your heart. And I'm, I'm still learning that Romans 8, 14, those that are led by the Spirit of God, the same are the sons of God. He leads you from in here. Thank God for pastors and apostles and prophets and evangelists and teachers. Thank God for fivefold. But I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost lives on the inside of your heart, and he'll lead you from in here. So I had so layered my heart, man, the Holy Ghost would have had to got a drill to get through. But I'm grateful for the gift that he keeps coming. Somebody say it's the inside work. It's the inside work. Philippians 2 and 13. Kayla, if you can, throw that up on the screen for me. Philippians 2, 13. It really is an inside work. This means so much to me that I wish it was like, you know, what if the Holy Spirit was just this blue fog that just followed you around? You just knew, I'm in the right because there he is right there. Should I do this and the flame will go? The, the, you know, yes. But you know what? That wouldn't require faith. This is what Paul told the church at Philippi. He said, for it is God who works where? Now, now isn't he working around? He's working around. You don't get, don't, don't misunderstand. But his chief work is always inside the inside of a man. For it is God who works in you. What's he doing? Both to what? Will and to do. Why? For his good pleasure. God says, I am working something on the inside of you. And at the end of its completion, it will be for my own good pleasure. So I, yes, I'm going to call these 12 rusty, dusty fishermen. And at the, not really at the end of three and a half years. It went a lot longer than that. But they're going to be men of my good pleasure. So he takes fornicating, cussing, insecure, religious, statistics of divorce, young men like myself. And says, I'm going to do something behind the scenes in your heart if you'll let me. If you'll let me. Because I'm at work in you both to do and will of your good pleasure. What about Philippians 2 verse 5, Kaylee? Watch this one. 
It's an inside job. You can't always see him working. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. I'm working in your mind, and I'm working in your heart. How true is that? I'm working in your mind, and I'm working in your heart. I'm working in your mind how you think, and I'm working in your heart how you choose to do life. And the two are tethered together. Well, I didn't, I didn't do it. Thank God I didn't. I didn't. I didn't go sin. Thank you, Lord. I didn't sin. Watch this. Yeah, but did you want to? I didn't. I didn't sleep with her, Katie. I didn't sleep with her. Yeah, but did you want to? The goal of, of Abba in our heart is not to just keep us from sinning. He wants to so affect your desires that down into the core of your being, it's not that I didn't do the deed. I want to make it so much that that desire never could even exist inside of you. Like when it is presented to you, you still say, nope, don't want to do it. So much so that Paul told the church at Corinth that we can now take captive every thought that presents or exalts itself against the knowledge of God and you make it become captive to Jesus Christ. Did you hear that? So are my thoughts important? You best believe they are because it's an inside job, especially now in this generation. Boy, we got so much stuff available to us. I'm telling you, is it possible to be able to follow Jesus in this day? I believe so because I had a a born-again experience my old pastor used to say this. He would say, I had a birth I'll never remember. But he would say, I had one I'll never forget. It's an inside job. God's working on the inside of your heart. Jesus walked up to some people one day and he says, quoting from Isaiah 700 years earlier, he says, you, you are watching you worship. He said, you worship me with your lips. It's external. He said, but your heart, the part nobody sees, he said, it's so far away from me. But that's where I want to do my work. As a matter of fact, the greatest king of Israel, King David, God chose him not because of his externals, the size of his bicep. He said, God through Samuel speaks and he says, of David, he said, all these men, don't they look so great? He said, but I'm not looking on the external appearance. I'm looking at a man's what? Why? Because that's what I want to work. You can go get plastic surgery for your face. And it's expensive, but it don't change nothing from your heart. You can go get everything sucked and tucked and trimmed if you want to, right? It's all cosmetics. You know what we're struggling with in America? You ready for this? What I call cosmetic Christianity. Change how they see me, Lord. Versus, Lord, let me become the man or the woman that you desire me to be. We're struggling with cosmetic Christianity, Noblin. I want to change everything about the outside of my life so I look good to you. Give me a better car. Give me a better job, right? Whatever the stuff might be that we go for. But I believe the Father's in heaven shouting out, my desire isn't cosmetic Christianity. I'm not just trying to change how you look, right? You don't need to have a facelift in your faith. What we need is heart transplants. Sila. 
pause calmly and think about what you just heard. We don't need spiritual facelifts in America. We need heart transplants so that we carry the heart of the Lord in our daily lives. So listen to the words of Ezekiel. I need to get ready to close. Ezekiel saw a day coming, speaking to a people, man, that understood law very well. They would see the raw glory of God very well. They had seen miracles. I mean, the, 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 the history of Israel is just bedded down with miracles. But yet they themselves as people weren't always transformed. And he said, the day's coming where I'm going to sprinkle water on you and you're going to be clean. Let me just read it to you again. Ezekiel 36, I believe it's verse 26. Put that up for me, Kaylee. Ezekiel 36, I believe it's verse 26. Listen to this word. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. Come on, uh, Taylor, back to the keys for me, man, if you don't mind. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you and I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh and I will put, verse 27, my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. Man, is that possible, Lord, that you can really put your spirit in a man and make me live and walk like you do? Yeah. But can I tell you something? It's not like, oh, I get filled with God's spirit. He put his spirit in me. All is well now. No, you still have to follow. How many knows that just because I'm born doesn't mean I automatically become a mature man? You could become an old male. See, you know what people have done, Jason? Is we grew old in church, but we just never grew up. You know what Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus? Is I'm writing these things to you. Because I don't want you to be like children. Tossed about. With every wind that comes your way. Of doctrine. Every teaching, right? He said, but I want you to become mature. Oh, man. I want you to become mature. God works from the inside out. That's his desire. I can remember getting born again and all I wanted, I really did, seriously, I wanted to look so different to people because that's what I thought. But now I'm thinking, man, I didn't know any better. Now I'm like, God, change me from in here. Change me from in here. Change me from in here. Listen to this. Kaylee, put up Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. When God begins to make a man from the inside out, man, for taking notes, this is a good point right here. The goal essentially is this. As you become like Christ. And that doesn't mean I walk around with a halo over my head. And I put on, you know, I start wearing a tallit and maybe grow some long hair. I don't know what he would have looked like, but that's not essentially what he's saying. You become like Christ. And in Christ's relationship to the Father, we get to inherit that. Whoa. Ephesians 5.1. Therefore, be imitators of God. As dear children. By the way, that word imitator in the Greek is the word. I'm, I'm going to slaughter this, but it's, it's like mimitos. It's where we get the word mimic. That mimic isn't necessarily bad. He was saying, mimic me. Imitate me. 
the way Jesus did the Father. That's what you did. That's what you should desire. Therefore, be imitators, mimitos, mimic of God as their children. In other words, we're supposed to represent the Father on the planet as their children. Next verse. This happens from the inside out. And walk in what? Love. As Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us. I'm going to tell you us there. Us there really is everybody. He's not like saying, I'm dying for those who say the prayer. As a matter of fact, in that day, he was dying for everybody. They had nobody said the prayer. He died for people like him and for those not like him. He died for the Jew and the non-Jew. He died in Paul's day. He would write, in Christ there is no Greek nor Jew. No barbarian, no Scythian. No male, no female. It's Paul's way of saying, listen, man. God has given his son's life for everybody. Walk in love. Remember, who is God's enemy? He has none. Jesus said, love your enemies. Why? Because I don't have any. But for some reason, you think you do. As Christ also has loved us and given himself for us. I'm still trying to work that out in my own life. He gave himself as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. As I get ready to close, the goal of our faith really is to become like Jesus. The early church was captivating because Jesus was captivating. When you read early church history, you know what you're going to find out? They didn't always get it right. But they had a beauty about their faith and how they viewed Jesus. We love to talk about sin in America. They didn't really do a lot of talking about sin, honestly. Talked about the resurrection. They talked about how Jesus overcame death. They would talk about the beauty of the, of the Father seen in the Son. And they would talk about the majesty that's hidden in communion. And <laughs> I'm like, well, what would it be like to be a husband that's like Christ? Anybody ever felt like you're a bad spouse? That's just me? <laughs> Anybody ever feel like sometimes you don't have a clue? I don't know if I'm the best parent in the world, Lord, but please help me. Like... <laughs> Like, woo! I feel like going Old Testament on my kids sometime. In the Old Testament, boy, God just wiped out people. I'm, I feel an Old Testament anointing right now on you right now. Like, they would offer sacrifices in the Old Covenant. It was the flesh of an animal, blood, hair. You set that on fire. Have you ever smelled burning hair? Ever smell burning flesh of any kind? My mom tells a story about a family when she was a girl that got caught in a house fire next door, and she just talks about the screams. And she said, I can, she said, I actually could forget the screams, but she said, What I could never ever forget as a young girl was that. Burning flesh for us was just so repulsive. But the sacrifice of Papa's son, Jesus, when they did those sacrifices properly, the father says, you know what I smell when I smell that? Because I smell something innocent given his life. He said to me, that's a sweet smelling aroma. We won't go there, but in Corinthians, Paul told the church at Corinth, he said, we are to God 
the aroma of Christ. And he says, God through us releases the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Did you hear that? So God says, when I want to smell the sweetness of my son's life again, you know what I do? He says, I lean over Katie and I go, because through you, Katie, I release the fragrance of my son in every place. Think about it. Or does God lean over your life and go, I think I smelt some self in there, like just. Or does he say, you know what, Matt, when I just want to remember the beauty of my son and what he did on the earth, I can look at a Matt louder and go, that's what, it, that's what it's like. People tell me all the time, Pastor Josh, you smell good. I say, I appreciate it. What's the alternative? Pastor at my last church, his name's Joey, great friend of mine. He's one of those guys, you could smell him coming a half a mile away. I'm like, bro, you got that, oh, you got that axe on. It's, it's working well. Like, I smell, I feel like I could have been Jesus with Nathaniel. I knew you was around the corner before I saw you, bro. Like, I'll never forget one time I rushed to work. And I, you will rarely ever see me without cologne. I just, I just believe in wearing cologne, right? Who was it? Somebody, I don't know if it was Taylor, some, one of y'all men. Somebody said, what, what are you wearing? I said, man, that's, that right, that's called Baby Maker. Was it you? I said, that's called Baby Maker. You better get away from me. That's Baby Maker. I don't want that, bro. You keep that. It's called Baby Maker. But I, I remember rushing to work, and I didn't put on any cologne. And uh, I went to Pastor Joy's office, and just, you know, one of my, just if you hang out with me, I just, I, I believe in hugging people. So I walked up, and I hugged him. And I was like, let me get some of the axe on me. He's like, boy, you're a mess, you know, kind of thing couple hours later I'm in the back office and uh, I was having a meeting with somebody and they was like man you smell good like what do you got on I'm thinking I don't have anything on it was like yes you do I'm like no I don't <laughs> yes you do no I don't you know what I actually had something on me but it wasn't nothing that I did I didn't put it on myself but I was speaking about who I'd been hanging out with that day this guy encountered Joy Hughes even though Joy Hughes was nowhere in the room And because of the beauty of this short time of communion I had with Joey and the beauty of proximity that I had with Joey, something got on me that I wasn't even aware of. And even several hours later walking around, watch this, I'm releasing the fragrance of Joey in places that Joey's not even there. What made the early church amazing? Years after Christ was gone, <laughs> because of the beauty of communion and proximity and the revelation that they, they actually believed that he was Emmanuel, God with them. They actually believed that they could be representatives of him on the earth. People were still encountering Jesus, even though Jesus wasn't there. And I'm telling you, I don't care if you work in a school or you work in a cubicle, man, or you work at Home Depot or you work at Sam's Club. It doesn't matter. People can still encounter Christ by being around you. So God says, yes, through you, I am releasing the fragrance of my knowledge in every place. If I want to get the reality of my son in Edmund, I'm not sending him from heaven again to do it. But I am sending you. And 
if you continue to know who you are and you keep following along the way, what's on him gets on you so much so that when I see Matt, I see Jesus. When I talk to Matt, I talk to Jesus. When I hear you, I hear Jesus. That should not be an impossibility. That should be normal to us. Come on, stand to your feet with me. That should be normal to us. That should be normal to us. It works. It starts on the inside. As I follow Jesus, I become more like him. But you know, the beauty of this captivating faith is that everybody around me gets to partake of the union that we have with Jesus. Even though he himself isn't physically here, he's here in us. He's here in us. He's here in us. Jesus, thank you for being faithful to your part of always extending invitations, even when in my own life, sometimes I don't yield to them because of my own distraction or just my own busyness of life. But I know that to the same degree that we follow you, to that same degree you make us. And I pray that in this family, as we follow you, you'll make us to be healthy husband and wives. I pray that you'll make us to be healthy moms and dads. I pray that you'll help us to be healthy sons and daughters. I pray that we'll be aware of your work on the inside of our life. And that we can be what Paul said, we can be imitators of God as dear children. And I just want to pray over us right now for a moment. If you're in this room and you don't have a life-giving relationship with Jesus, I would love to introduce you to my best friend. And give you an opportunity, watch this, to receive the life of Christ. Likewise, if you're in this room and maybe you're one of those people that, like I was, man, I, I was really just sharing my own story, that you've so layered your heart, you don't even know what it means anymore to feel the Lord tugging on your heart. Not just for things you shouldn't do, but for things you should do. For the man and woman you're meant to become. If, if you've lost that, man, I, I just believe the Lord wants to almost give you a fresh sensitivity of what it means to be led by his spirit again. I really feel that strongly in my heart today. In my heart today. But first, if you don't have a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ, if you never said, man, I received the life of Christ, I would love to introduce you to my best friend. If that's you and you're in this room this morning, you know what? I'm just going to count to three. I just want you to raise up your hand, man, because I would love to introduce you to my best friend. And by the way, we actually all come to Jesus the same way, right? We come because in some capacity, he drew us there. And in that, there is no shame. If that's you and you want to for sure put your life into the hands of the ultimate life giver and you want to receive his life, I want to acknowledge that with you today on the count of three. One, two, three. Anybody in the room at all? Is that anybody in the room at all? Make sure I miss anybody. One. Anybody else? I see that hand. Thank you, sir. I see that hand. I see that hand. Can we as a family, can we pray this prayer together? Because you know what the Bible says when one person really just puts their faith in the Christ, they receive the life of Christ. It says every angel in heaven, all of heaven really, they just go crazy. And so for that one man that just said, I want to do that. I want to do it with them as a family. So repeat after me. Say, Father. 
thank you for the gift of your son. The life he lived, the death he died, and his resurrection into life again. Right now, I receive the life of Christ. And I look to Jesus. Thank you for leading me. Thank you for guiding me. I am yours. In Jesus' name. Now, as if that was your spouse, or as if that was your sibling, or as if that was your son, on the count of three, I want to blow the roof off this church with the giving of thanks. You ready? One, two, three. How would you do it? And I want to say this to you, friend. Welcome home. Your family just got a lot bigger. I want to talk to you before you leave. For those of us, maybe you're the other side of the coin. I mean, I know I'm following Jesus, but I just, my heart's just so layered. I think I forget about the hidden work. I want to give you permission this week. In your own personal time with Jesus, just to be aware. Holy Spirit, even as I've spoke today, is remove some of those layers off of your heart. You're a son or a daughter, even when you don't feel like it. You don't lose your sonship because you quit feeling the Lord. You just became aware that he was moving in your life. And I want to give you a fresh set of lenses to view him moving in your life today. He loves you immensely. And he's up to some really, really good things. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you right now for this family and this house. I'm so grateful for what you're doing. I know that you're moving in a lot of churches in this region. I bless that. I pray that as sons and daughters of God, we would walk into everything that Jesus has already paid to give us through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Father, we love you. I seal this word and this work in our lives today. In Jesus' name. Thank you for taking a moment to listen in to what Jesus is doing right here at Way Family Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. If you want to be a part of helping us to continue to share the gospel and get it out to as many people as we can, you can do that via Cash App at dollar sign Way Family Church, or you can visit our website at wayfamilychurch.com and click on the giving tab. For more information about Way Family Church, you can connect with us on all social media platforms or simply go to wayfamilychurch.com. Be blessed.